101 Dalmatians, 1961. Geronimo Lusk and Ritherman returned to direct 101 Dalmatians, a lighter and more comedic film about a large number of dogs. Stylistically, Dalmatians is one of the more singular pieces Disney has produced, certainly at this point. The art of characters and backgrounds is sketchier, and it brings life to the setting and characters of the story in a new way. This also attributes to the whimsy in the number of dogs that are often running across the screen, and the choice to return to the 4-3 aspect ratio creates frames that feel fuller. While likely attributed to cost-cutting after the financial disappointment of Sleeping Beauty, including the creative usage of Xeroxing Ritherman becomes synonymous with, the film has a very charming and stylish aesthetic that is well utilized. Dalmatian centers Pongo, a Dalmatian who forces a meet-cute for his owner and a woman in the park who is walking another Dalmatian that Pongo is taken with. In the opening sequence, he watches dogs being walked looking for a pair that may make good matches for himself and his owner, Roger, or as he calls him, his pet. These briefly seen designs showcase people who were styled as perfect mirrors of their dogs, imbuing remarkable amounts of personality and very little time on screen. It is finally Perdita and her owner Anita that catches eye, and after Anita and Roger make each other laugh, the rest is history. After time passes, Pongo and his now partner Perdita have 15 puppies and end the film by adopting another 84. The conflict centers around the menacing Cruella de Vil, who anxiously awaits Pongo's litter and hopes to buy them so she can create a coat. Much of the film's momentum and action is on the back of the performance of Corella, both visually and in voice acting. She is gangly, monstrous, and truly given zero redeeming qualities. Her personality creates a perfect foil to the charm displayed by the dog's owners. Roger is a songwriter and is hiding away working on a new melody when Corella arrives, and continues playing it louder and more abrasively to protest her presence. After she is finished discussing the coming litter and scaring the parents-to-be, she leaves and Roger realizes what the song needs is her name to complete the haunting imagery he is looking for. He performs it now as he makes up the words, perfectly ending her introduction by honoring her awfulness through the now-iconic song that scored the entire sequence. By now, the classic Disney style is consistently delivering phenomenal facial expressions and body language that tells more than the dialogue, and Dalmatians is no exception to this. Not only in Cruella, Roger, and Anita, but the large animal cast as well. After the Cruella sequence, the film again cuts ahead in time to introduce the 15 puppies, showing off their personalities as they react to their favorite TV show, which showcases a dog hero defeating evil humans. Only a few of the puppies are named, and among them the standouts are Rolly, who is larger and always hungry, and Lucky, who is smaller and glued to the TV. After the litter is introduced and their strong relationships with their parents are shown, Cruella's goons appear and they kidnap the puppies while the parents and owners are on a walk. This sequence is made more harrowing by simple changes to the palette and the backgrounds, as the bright and vibrant walls of Roger's house are dulled to a harsh gray. Roger instantly suspects Cruella, but the police are unable to connect anything back to her, and Pongo and Perdita take matters into their own hands and call upon the Twilight Bark. The Twilight Bark is a series of dogs howling news across England, causing the entire city to become a raucous uproar tormenting all their human owners, shown in a great wide shot. The sound travels to less populated areas and reaches the Colonel, an older sheepdog that takes on the case by searching a nearby dilapidated house owned by Cruella Deville. Inside, it is revealed that Cruella has collected a total of 99 Dalmatian puppies to create a lavish fur coat. Pongo and Perdita travel outside the city to follow the trail of barking and deal with several challenging terrains that create great short sequences, especially the shot of the two walking against heavy snow and wind. Like in Lady and the Tramp before this film and The Sword in the Stone after, wintertime and snow always looks incredible in the classic Disney style, both in how it affects the movement of characters and how the studio works the whites, blues, and other colors of the season into their palette. Pongo and Perdita eventually catch up with the colonel and learn the puppies have been found at the Old DeVille place, which is a name the two unfortunately recognize. Back at the house, the colonel's friend, a cat named Sergeant Tibbs, is now trying to help the puppies escape. All 99. 
The escape sequence is very well done, and again the action feels full and effectively cramped by the number of puppies on screen and the aspect ratio used. The sketchy lines and less polished aesthetic also attribute to the charm as Tibbs leads massive groups around and sorts them single file to fit through a hole in the wall while Cruella's goons are distracted. The monochrome setting and backgrounds allow the action and the white of the dog's fur to pop, making everything legible and striking. And additionally, only Pongo's litter has collars, which is great shorthand to keep track of characters. The standout personalities from earlier in the film return as Lucky is glued to the same TV as the goons, creating a new challenge for Tibbs. And Rolly is briefly stuck in the wall, creating further suspense before the goons notice and begin to chase them. Tibbs and the puppies escape with Pongo and Perdita's arrival as the two attack the goons and the background becomes a stark red against the action. Once the family is reunited, they decide to head home with every puppy in sight. The rest of the film is now their escape from Cruella and her minions, who attempt to give chase which provides several great comedic action sequences on a snowy path home, the morning sunrise adding to the already winning color palette. Multiple animals help the Dalmatians along the way until they are eventually cornered and outsmart their pursuers by covering themselves in soot as to cover their spots. The snow reveals one of the puppy's white fur just before they make their escape, leading to a fantastic car chase and one jagged shroud of Cruella screaming and driving straight towards the camera, looking more unhinged and monstrous than ever. The family finally returns to Roger and Anita for Christmas, bringing the gift of more puppies, and the film concludes the only way it can, by Roger and Anita counting each Dalmatian all the way up to 101. The sketchy and more comedic style sticks with Reitherman as he maintains direction over the next several films, and this is in part why Walt's direct attention wanes from the animation department before he passes away in 1966. Reitherman is one of the rare instances of a singular creative force to exist within the studio, directing or co-directing every film between 1959 and 1977. His success with The Jungle Book is a large part of why the studio survives the loss of Walt, but it does not take long for things to become stagnant in the 70s and 80s. Next up, The Sword in the Stone, 1963. Please go to ghostofjoe.com to see all these essays, you can also find a link to this one directly in the show notes of this upload. And there you will find in-text citations and works cited and share it with anyone who you think cares a lot about Disney animation. You can also find myself on Twitter at Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O. The music used in this audio version is from The Skeleton Dance, a Disney Silly Symphony short. Thank you for listening and reading.